No idle gold, since this fine son, my friend, is no mean miser, but doth freely spend. No precious stones, since these green mornings show without a charge fair pearls wherever I go. No lifeless books, since birds with their sweet tongues will read aloud to me their happier songs. No painted scenes, since clouds can change their skies a hundred times a day to please my eyes. No headstrong wine, since when I drink, spring into my eager ears will softly sing. No surplus clothes, since every single beast can teach me to be happy with the least. A Plain Life by William Henry Davis This struck me as a departure from the other types of poems that you'd sent. A little. (laughs) Um, In that it's certainly not a love poem, um, uh, but it's also very positive, kind Mm. of zesty. (laughs) Reminded me of of like Walt Whitman or even the Mm. Mary Oliver poem that we did. Yeah, yeah. This kind of just sort of uh, kind of quiet awe and reverence for life right. that it had. Right. In fact, I think the Mary Oliver poem influenced me mm-hmm. in picking this poem mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. <laughs> this, <laughs> this episode. So it was on my mind. Uh-huh. And then when I went to look at the poems, it immediately just flashed in front of me. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, this is the poem. I guess Mary Oliver is our credit. Great, great. And of course, yeah, Mary Oliver is much, uh, mo- she's a much more uh, recent poet, mm-hmm. but it has that same, what would you describe it as, the feeling that you get from this poem? Um, that same kind of quiet satisfaction? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, satisfaction. Yeah, yeah, that's a nice way to say it. Like, I feel like some of the love poems too, the ones that we've done, but other love poems in general, even if they are positively connotated, like they have, it's not quiet and it's not satisfied. <laughs> it, it's a bit excited uh-huh. and nervous, neurotic, like all right. of those kinds right. of Right, it's a little tense and <laughs> even like the Audre Lorde poem that we did, which is lovely, but it ha- it's like this roller definitely, coaster. Definitely not about satisfaction. Right. It's not about satisfaction, it's about depression. <laughs> right, right. Or, this is a silly reference, but you know, you know from Hamilton, the song Satisfied? It's about, um, oh gosh, it's just about the meeting of these two people who don't end up as lovers, I don't think, but end up just sort of having this instant attraction and this instant stimulation kind of between the two of them. And and the line that they say to each other is, um, like, strike me as a person who's never been satisfied. Uh-huh. And it has a lot of, you know, double entendre and things like that. And But the whole song is kind of about what it means to be attracted to someone or in love with someone and therefore you're not satisfied, mm-hmm. like that's represented as dissatisfaction, yeah. whereas, um, I don't know, uh, we're not often satisfied in love, right. I think, right. even if you're well-matched or even if you're, um, we talk all the time about love being something that completes you or something that balances you out or something, but I feel like some of the love poems you see are pretty tense. Tense. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like love itself has this component of excitation because mm-hmm. it, it, it stimulates you so mm-hmm. much. 
um, that is the portion of love that is um, most difficult to deal with. Mm-hmm. So that's the portion that is written about and talked about. And so it mm-hmm. makes sense uh, in a way. What were you talking yeah. about? Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. But, well, but about this by contrast. Right, like right. that so mar- love poems being all about that kind right. of dissatisfaction and yearning, mm-hmm. reaching. The line in the Mary Oliver poem is, whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination. Right. And I think about I think about that with love. Like if you're going, if you have a broken heart or you're going through something difficult, right. she says, the world is your answer. Uh-huh. Like the world will offer itself to your imagination, will soothe you, will call to you in this very quiet way. It will satisfy you in a mm. quiet way. You can be content. And I feel like, well, talked about many other poems except this poem <laughs> so far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it definitely has that Mary Oliver's soothing feeling of things are not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Nothing is really a big deal. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe it's just maybe that feeling is just a component of being a nature poem. Mm-hmm. Maybe nature poems tend to do that to us. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. But I would say uh, at least that's maybe not all of them but certainly that's what I would think of. I think of love poems, and I think of everything we've already talked about. And you think of nature poems, you think of something maybe more motherly or right. soothing. Yeah. And, I and um, I guess for nature poems, because love poems is like, hits you. Mm-hmm. The, the feelings seem to hit you. They seem to like crawl at you. They're always there. Mm-hmm. Whereas, so th- they're very... Um, attention-seeking mm-hmm. feeling, whereas nature poems, um, they draw our attention. Mm-hmm. So it's they try to draw our attention to the things that we're not paying attention mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. Um, so Mary Oliver was like, look at the blue sky, mm-hmm. look at the birds going home. Mm-hmm. The world offers itself to you. Look, meanwhile. Mm-hmm. Um, and similarly here, mm-hmm. He starts out with all the things that you notice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Henry Davis is saying, no idol gold. So of course you think about gold. I literally was complaining to you about <laughs> my money problems. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because uh, that's what we mm-hmm. think about. That's in our mind. Mm-hmm. And then from there, he's like, since the fine sun. So he takes our attention from that place where our attention generally resides. And he's like, let's look at the other Mm-hmm. other aspects mm-hmm. and then again no precious stones because mm-hmm. we think about things like diamonds mm-hmm. and rubies and mm-hmm. you know uh k-jewelers diamonds <laughs> yeah right right <laughs> <laughs> all those advertisements uh-huh. um and i guess in his time at least maybe it was very important there he, he's from he's from wa- wales mm-hmm. um and he has he had a very interesting life mm-hmm. And so he's from Wales, and he was born in the 1870s. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was definitely of an era where there was aristocracy. Mm-hmm. Arist- uh? Aristocracy? How uh-huh. do you pronounce Aristocracy? That? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So he was from that time. And uh, Engl- England at that time 
not in I guess UK at that time was mm-hmm. a very classist society, mm-hmm. extremely mm-hmm. so. So precious stones mm-hmm. is very relevant, right. I guess, in people's minds. And he's like, and that's what people think about. And he's like, let's look at the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I guess there is another beauty? Mm-hmm. That image really sticks with me. The the pearls of the morning. Right. I'm not a morning person at all. So, but I imagine and we live in New York City, so we will not. We will not see the pearls <laughs> of the morning. <laughs> but, but I, but I can see it on you know, uh-huh. a mist on a misty morning. Right. The pearls of the morning. It's it's really um, it's. It reminds me of my grandparents' village. Really, because there were grasses there. Uh-huh. So, um, and there are lots of trees. And uh, winter mornings, mm-hmm. I when I would wake up. And I'd go outside to walk. My sandals would mm-hmm. get wet mm-hmm. from the dews on the grasses. Mm-hmm. I also really like the the adjectives that he uses down the line in the first moment to describe the the opposite. You know, to decide yeah, yeah. to to describe the this is a plain life. So I guess the unplain life, uh-huh, the yeah. fabulous life, or the whatever. And in their idol, the gold is idol. Yeah, the gold is idol, precious lifeless, painted, headstrong, and surplus. surplus. Yep. I think that paints a really interesting picture. Uh-huh. Those, if you, if you imagine a person who's idle, I guess we have maybe some different, you can, you can view that, I guess, as kind of a, dis- a despicable thing, someone who's idle, someone mm-hmm. who doesn't use their time, someone who lays around. But it can also be um, a luxury, uh-huh. certainly. Or maybe something we all aspire to. All of to. these remind me of the aristocratic, aristocratic mm-hmm. class. Mm-hmm. They're idle. They don't. They don't have jobs. Right. <laughs> I, they do. Right. <laughs> and they're precious stones. Mm-hmm. These are such precious people wearing their precious clothes and their precious houses. Um, lifeless book. Lifeless is definitely something. Pl- I honestly think about that. Mm-hmm. I honestly thought about that when watching things like Downton Abbey and you know just just mm-hmm. thinking about mm-hmm. aristocratic life is like. How do they manage to live? Isn't it so boring? Mm -hmm. Is what I sometimes Mm -hmm. think because it makes me feel like that life is so lifeless. Mm -hmm. There's no vitality. I love that to describe books as being lifeless too. Like, Uh yeah, you know when you (laughs) see those people's houses, or or maybe I feel that way sometimes myself too. Like if I'm in the big Barnes and Noble or something, and I like, I just I like I want to buy all the books, but then I think about all the books I have I've uh-huh. never read right, or I didn't really care about, you know, and th- so they are lifeless versus the ones that I read at the library when I was in elementary school that are like so alive to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I kind of don't buy books mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like books have a life when they're in circulation. But I think the m- we've meant the fact that yeah. I think we pride ourselves mm-hmm. on Reading books a lot reminds being me knowledgeable of or being right. clever or wise or learned. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of the no classes poem, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you're worshiping at the shrine of brain. Yes. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I get recommended YouTube videos mm-hmm. of how to read as many books as possible. Really? <laughs> right. Those are out there. I guess. Yeah. Okay. Believe it or uh-huh. not, so it recommends me mm-hmm. videos of these people talking about how to read many books or mm-hmm. how he re- he reads many books and it's changed his life or how he reads one book per yeah. week. And I'm like, stop it. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's so interesting. As if being 
knowledgeable about certain things like that or as if being well read right, is a right. sign of you know or, or like is is a protection it's like a against commodity. Mm-hmm. there's like i have bought mm-hmm. knowledge mm-hmm. i have gathered yeah. information in my brain mm-hmm. but um anyway i've stopped i'll stop bashing people who like to read like that <laughs> Ah, but I know what you mean about the commodity. Uh, yeah. You know, on the one hand, it commodification of b- the act of reading. Right. My other favorite is headstrong is. wine. By the way, uh, I love the description of of wine as headstrong. What do you make of that? In my picture of an aristocratic mm-hmm. person who is idle mm-hmm. and then too precious to mm-hmm. do things and lifeless because they don't do anything, they're uh-huh. lifeless, and then. They kind of look like they're painted because they always have to look perfect and all, so they're painted. Mm-hmm. And with that, it uh, the headstrong also fits in mm-hmm. in that image because um, it reminds me of privileged yeah. people mm-hmm. using their money to just live their will into the world, mm-hmm. even though their will is terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And then, of course, surplus because that's the definition of aristocracy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But anyway, what do you make of headstrong? I just, I, I also don't really know, but it just sticks with me. Headstrong, have you ever, or I find that I certainly have, like, in times, um, especially if I'm bored, I think about, like, the beginning of pandemic, too, uh-huh. like, being 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 bored, and then in a lot of places, like, a lot of ways being idle, being lifeless, being surplus, kind of having having too much and yet feasting. Uh-huh. And I would reach for the wine, like, first thing in the evening mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's almost an entitlement uh-huh. to be like, I'm entitled to feel, to feel differently than I am right now, or I'm entitled to do something to my body that will make me feel different than mm-hmm. I would if I, he says, since when I drink the spring into my, into my eager ears will softly sing. Mm-hmm. Um, something about headstrong speaks to like kind of a, a an entitlement or a brutish sense of that um, that hmm, I don't know I feel like it's about like sensual stimulation mm-hmm. headstrong um, in comparison to the soft spring mm-hmm. it's like how we what we expect of our senses, right? Mm-hmm. We expect to be—I um, don't know—we expect always to be stimulated, right? We, we yeah. have this desire to someone come and entertain <laughs> me in some way. And on the maybe on the other hand, we have—we definitely have a culture, at least here in like the United States, a culture of like better, faster, more, right. etc. Right. Like that. We always we always need to be working harder, be more ambitious, have more, show off more. And that adjective about wine headstrong. is to say to make me to make me headstrong, as a as though it's not all right to be soft, mm. as though it's not all right to to listen softly to the spring. Um, and mm. it's that kind of thing of nature comes in mm-hmm. to as the antidote. I don't know to mm. human to human error or human kind of right whatever. Um, to say you can be soft, you can be what is what are the descriptions? Um, the you sun freely you spends. Can have least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, 
the the mornings show their pearls, the birds will read aloud to me, and their songs are happier anyway. <laughs> I think what strikes me is is the use of the word free mm-hmm. freely spend mm-hmm. because I think in all of these cases, all of these things, um, gold and stones and books and s- pi- pictures, all of these things are heavily commodified. Mm-hmm. Whereas nature mm-hmm. gives us that in a fresher mm-hmm. and more importantly, in a free way. Mm-hmm. Nature is not a miser. Right. So it's... Um, and that is the part that always gets me. It's like, kind of makes me think about how we commodify so many things that has better alternatives anyway. Mm-hmm. In nature. Yeah. Right. Something that's, like you said, freer, mm-hmm. fresher, softer. Right. I was talking about um, how it reminds me, how the adjectives remind me of an aristocratic mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Being painted and mm-hmm. lifeless and idle, um, and extra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and when I read the word "no painted scenes," it kind of makes me think about how it's only like the rich mm-hmm. who can own painted scenes. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's always been very difficult for the poor to own painted mm-hmm. scenes, mm-hmm. so. It makes me think about the commodification of art. Mm -hmm. And then when I go up and down again, after reading the painted scenes, Mm -hmm. it makes me rethink all the other, um, what is it called? All the other nouns as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because all of the other nouns are also part of a artistic activity, Mm. I think. How so? Because gold uh-huh. is not something, wh- when you think about it, it's not something you can just get out of the ground and wear mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the most beautiful thing about gold, for me personally, is the design of gold that is appealing. Mm-hmm. And that requires artistry. Right, craftsmanship. Right. Mm-hmm. And stones. Again, mm-hmm. diamonds off of the ground are not all that appealing. Mm-hmm. Ruby off of the ground, no, mm-hmm. not really. But you have to cut it. Mm-hmm. You have to... Um, you have to know how to shape mm-hmm. stones mm-hmm. to make them look as beautiful as they can. Mm-hmm. And then there are books. Mm-hmm. Um, I, s- I think compared to everything else, books are much more accessible. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. Because we have worked hard to make them accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, books too have, they haven't always been accessible. Mm-hmm. Like I think back to the... Um, I think back to the Reformation mm-hmm. and before when not everyone could read mm-hmm. um, and people who could read wouldn't want everyone else to read. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So reading was like a, an activity for the rich mm-hmm. and it has been so for a very long time through most of the world, mm-hmm. an activity for the rich. Mm-hmm. Um, and when the Reformation happened, they were like, want everyone to be able to read the Bible. The Interesting. People, mm-hmm. the conservatives were like, no, we think the only the people <laughs> who are the elite 
should be uh-huh. able to read the Bible uh-huh. and everyone else just listen to, to the us. words they don't understand uh-huh. in Latin. So. Yeah, absolutely. And then tainted scenes again mm-hmm. are great. And then wine. Wine is something, again, something that requires a great deal of craftsmanship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And something after that much craftsmanship is really becomes really valuable mm-hmm. in terms of money. Right. So then it's again commodified mm-hmm. and made available for people who have money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the surplus then clothes. clothes, which immediately reminds me of Autor, mm-hmm. high mm-hmm. fashion. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, those clothes are not for everyone. <laughs> right. right. Um, but who has the right to that craftsmanship? And it almost reminds me too of the, um, like the the fast fashion trends uh-huh. too that we have um right now where it starts up at the the high fashion the couture level and it trickles down and then you have these really big companies in the business of fast fashion who kind of commodify that work but they do make it accessible to people at lower prices Mm -hmm. but at the cost of it's it's awful for the environment and Mm -hmm. and whatnot and so and honestly the people who make these clothes Mm -hmm. don't get to wear these clothes Meaning it is being made right. accessible right. to us, mm-hmm. to a certain group of us, mm-hmm. but it is still at the cost of someone else. Right. My mm-hmm. so it's like and all of these things that, you know, in order to have the gold and have the stones and the books and the art and the wine and the clothes. Uh, like there has to be like a manufacturer exactly. inequality. Right. And there's such a, a pride right. in the aristocracy or, you know, the elite that we have mm-hmm. or, you know, in whatever period of time. Um, who pride themselves on the blood, sweat, and tears that <laughs> went into making this beautiful thing that they own, mm-hmm. as though that that manufacturer hardly existed or only existed to make something beautiful for them. Right, mm-hmm. right. Do you find personally that um, ideas like this or poems like this that say that, that say turn away from all of the the things that have been commodified, the commercial, the et cetera, and turn toward nature, do you find that that comforts you or makes sense to you in your own life? I, I, I guess it makes sense to me because I've already been somehow that kind of person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, mi- I, and honestly, I think maybe his commentary is not even as much about the classist nature mm-hmm. of this mm-hmm. thing. It really is about the beauty of nature mm-hmm. more than anything else. Mm-hmm. But I, when I look at uh-huh. it, I think about the uh, class structure mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. commodification because that's what I'm thinking mm-hmm. about already. Mm-hmm. And so it, it is about the beauty, the poem is about the beauty of nature. Mm-hmm. But for me, when I read it, mm-hmm. there is this underlying um theme mm-hmm. that is never expressed in the poem explicitly mm-hmm. and that I don't even think was the uh, was the poet's intention sure. uh-huh. to express but that I can that I can pick up on. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it feels like a balm kind of just to s- the tempo of it is is slower. It's more measured to me. It's even, you know, whether or not <laughs> We're all here in New York City, like whether or not I'm out seeing the pearls of the morning. Right. 
the the tone of it and the the measured nature of it does feel comforting. It feels calming. Like it just lowers <laughs> lowers my my I don't know my heart rate a little bit. Mm. How do you feel about poems that kind of have this um, this discussion about nature versus man-made mm. and that asks that kind of asks you to turn away from man-made and mm -hmm. man-nature. Mm -hmm. It's a good question. We were just talking about this too that I am such a city person. Yeah. That sometimes I I really wish I was more outdoorsy or I wish I had a more um like accessible or immediate awe when I see incredible things in nature. It's not that I don't appreciate it I mean, to a degree, but I am much happier sitting, like looking at the New York City skyline, which is something that's man-made. Mm -hmm. And of course it's, it's in nature, but I also know that the vision of nature that I'm seeing, the water, the trees, whatever, is something that's been crafted by people yeah. to look that way. Um, so I could be totally a hypocrite in that regard <laughs> of saying, oh, I appreciate nature, but not considering all the, again, all the hands, all the people, all the manufacturers, et cetera, that went into building this this jungle that <laughs> I live in, this jungle gym right. that I live in. Um, but it's the, to me, the nature is less about the physical nature always and more about the paying attention to what, what is, like you said, what's free, mm -hmm. the things that are free in life, mm -hmm. the whether that's coming from nature or it's just coming from the ebb and flow of of life itself mm -hmm. where, like, no one is left unscathed right. by the, just by the rhythms of it. Mm -hmm. We all have things we can't control. And, and poems like this remind me that there is a under it all there is this natural measured tempo to the whole thing that will always be there if you're listening for it mm -hmm. um, to remind you that everything is as it should be that mm -hmm. this too shall pass that because nature is violent too nature, nature is, is violent absolutely and yet and yet it's our home it's our home and we take a lot of comfort in it so yeah really just like living in New York City is so hard, but it's also <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I don't so know. We have tiny apartments and yet. And yet. <laughs> Do you want to listen again? Yes. A plain life. William Henry Davies. No idle gold. Since this fine sun, my friend, is no mean miser, but doth freely spend. No precious stones, since these green mornings show, without a charge, their pearls wherever I go. No lifeless books, since birds with their sweet tongues will read aloud to me their happier songs. No painted scenes, since clouds can change their skies a hundred times a day to please my eyes. No headstrong wine, since when I drink, the spring into my eager ears will softly sing. No surplus clothes, since every single beast can teach me to be happy with the least. <laughs>